Speaking of mothers, in our series through the book of Luke, go figure, we land on a passage today. We're going verse by verse, you know, segment by segment through the book of Luke together here at Open Life. And we land in Luke 4, 38, and it just so happens to be about a mom. Is this cool? This is really cool. Let's read this. Verse 38 says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So, he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. Some translations would say, began to serve them. Verse 40, when the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying His hands on each one, He healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you're the Son of God, but He rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew He was the Christ. At daybreak, Jesus went to a solitary place. The people were looking for Him, and when they came to where He was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. While some of you may have just misinterpreted or misheard that passage, let me save you before you hit send on that text message to your spouse saying, see, I told you my mother-in-law was demon-possessed. Um, that's not exactly what the passage says, right? No, J just JK, JK, just a joke there. But it's interesting. It is, it does have both things within the context of it, but not the mother-in-law. She's okay, right? It was just a fever. But I think it's pretty interesting what we can learn from this passage. There's some great insights of the faith packed right here, but there's some huge insights into God's heart for women and women in ministry and moms. I think it's interesting, Jamie leads today, it's Mother's Day and all that, but it, it, there was a while back when we dialogued about the value of women in ministry, and it was so cool to, to, be, to know at that time where we were at in Luke and in preaching, and I was just saying, you know, hey, we value having women in ministry. And that was the very time we were dialoguing with Jamie about coming on as our team. And just you see it throughout Scripture. And I know some churches practice not having women in ministry, but we just tend to read the Bible and see women in ministry all over the place. And this is one of those instances when a woman is instantly serving Jesus upon her healing and a demonstration of just how much God cares for women. And Luke specifically points out the role of women in ministry throughout the book. And this is one of those moments where Luke identifies Jesus' value on women. And I just think it's, it's a powerful thing for, for this specific day. Simon was not the one suffering here. He was not the one suffering from his mother-in-law at all in the context of this passage. In fact, she was the one suffering, and Simon was the one extending love by asking 
for Jesus to intervene in this high fever, this sickness. Maybe it would do us well in our marriages. Just a thought. This is a side thought, but an intentional one because there's a fill-in that goes with it. But uh, it's not really a tangent. It's a planned tangent. It's a tangent or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, so maybe it would do our marriages good if we, if we prayed for our in-laws instead of talked about what we're suffering from our in-laws. <laughs> How many, you know, it's just like the funny thing to do in a crowd, and we kind of joke about it, but the reality is love is, is for, right? And I think a healthy posture in prayer is modeled here in this text. A healthy posture is, is that we would pray for people and not a posture of from. Religion postures from, right? Love postures for. Religion postures from, like, keep me from impurity. Keep me from the unhealthy. Keep me from the world. Keep me from, let's just hide in a bunker and stay Christian if nobody ever gets around me. Well, there's one problem in the scenario. You, right? I mean, it's just, we'll still sin. It's not like we can protect ourselves from it. We need to pray for those around us. We need to pray for the sick. We need to pray for the angry. We need to pray for the hurting and for the broken. It's a mindset of for, and Jesus loves moms, and he answers the call to help Simon's mother-in-law. He's for her. Interesting, huh? So do you need help today? Did you come through these doors needing a touch from God? He can do it. And hopefully those closest to you are aware of your need, and you're not hiding it, you're not keeping it from them, but you're making people aware so that they can be for you as well and praying for you. If you're willing, He's going to touch your life. Where does this take place? I love context. Again, we talk about it almost every week, but where does this happen? When does this happen? It says He left the synagogue in our world today, the church, the place where they gathered and dialogued about the Bible or preached the Bible, he left the synagogue and went into the home. He went out in community to perform these acts of ministry we read of. Jesus loved and kept preaching in the synagogues, even as this passage concludes. But the same was true uh, then that is true now. And that is the most powerful potential for ministry happens outside the doors, not here on a Sunday. We're being inspired and equipped and, and empowered while we're together. We're learning so that we can put into practice ministry out there to those in our life. What we would call on mission with Jesus would be those who are actively being present in the lives of those around them when they leave being Jesus' heart to the community, if you would. Are we really that? Because Jesus was that. It was interesting. Jesus understood and modeled that we don't go to church to go home as quickly as possible. So we're going to stay an extra hour today. I'm just joking, <laughs> totally joking. Uh, no, we go to church to go out and do ministry in the community. And this is an intriguing part. My pastor, Les Welk, he pastored the church that I first went to, so I still call him my pastor. He was preaching a couple weeks ago, at a, maybe a week ago, I don't remember, 
when annual conference was. I was at this conference, and he was preaching, and he was telling a story about how he was sitting in church one day, and he checked his phone. He checked the time, and he heard God just totally challenge him. Did you come here just to leave? And he was like, oh, right? I mean, because he's like really godly dude, right? It's like he's always preaching. He's always in church. I was like, if he's getting that check from God, I was like, how much more? You know, how often do I check the clock? How often do I go, is it time to go yet? I've got somewhere to be. You know, today it's like I've got a Mother's Day lunch reserved or wherever. Reservations. And so you're trying to get there. And it's, it's this issue of, oh, my goodness, you know. But I think sometimes we could be in more of a hurry to go than to stay in God's presence. And it was interesting. So the rest of the conference, I would like was one. I'm usually one of the last ones to leave anyway. It's just how kind of I've always been. But I just stuck around, and it was cool some of the things that happened when everybody else had already gone out into the hallway, and the loudest murmur was out in a foyer in this church we were at but the strongest presence and move of God was still going on. And people missed it. They just, they, they missed some of the, what God was doing. I don't know. I just, I just don't kind of want to be quick to leave. And, uh, you know, sometimes we can view, it's easy to start viewing church as just a time of paying our dues or, you know, it's a good thing to do. Maybe God would give me more favor if. And, and I just... I think we could get in a dangerous place if we're not coming with just the desire to grow closer and discover more about Jesus and celebrate what He's done in our week. I hope He's doing things in our week that we can celebrate. And I know He has mine. I come thankful this week for what He's done and, and you know, just ready to worship and what would happen if or maybe our mindset just shifted a little there. And so we're going to learn some things that can help with that today. Uh, Luke really points out some very cool things. And the first is, a fitting response to freedom is gratitude and service. I mean, what, what immediately does Simon's mother-in-law do upon being touched by Jesus? It says immediately she got up and began to serve them. So she probably began to make a meal in their culture. And, it, it, you know, Luke is a physician. The author of this gospel book is a physician. So when he says she had a high fever, he wants to point out just how on death's bed she was before Jesus got on the scene. She was sick. Nowadays, we're like, fever? Ibuprofen? What are our options here, right? And, uh, but in that day, no, fever you're on death's door. So Jesus shows up, and she obviously had to have been completely free of the signs of fever because there's no way if she's making food, anybody was going to eat it, right? I mean, she began to serve them, but I think I heard her sneeze in the kitchen, right? I mean, who's going to really eat the soup, right? It's, uh, what's is this tofu? Anyway, so it's like… Anybody get that? It was kind of quiet. Anyway, so moving on. They were just gross. It wasn't funny anymore. It's just, okay, that was sick, dude. Okay, I'll stop making funnies. Uh, so, you know, she was healed completely and at once, as it says in verse 39, and began to serve Jesus in those present. This is huge. I mean, how in the world did Jesus do that? 
Well, number two, Jesus rebuked the fever. Jesus rebuked the fever. This is the one instance in the book of Luke that it's pointed out that Jesus rebukes the sickness, if you would, the fever, and instead of dialoguing with the person who needs healed. Often He rebukes other things. We can see it's more common for Him to rebuke like uh, a demon as it's coming out. It's more likely even we can read further in, uh, in the book of Luke, He will rebuke the wind and waves, and they'll calm. So, so you know, we have Jesus it does rebuke a lot. He, he corrects the sickness, if you will. But this is interesting because He goes right after the sickness. And there's many ways to heal. There's many ways that Jesus does miracles. And in this instance, He rebukes the sickness, which says He can heal the sickness, and that not necessarily is that sickness attached to a demon, or is that sickness attached to our faith, or is that sickness attached to us as a person? We're just sick. So we don't have to feel guilty like, this is my fault, I'm in this circumstance, or I'm a bad person, or Jesus, this is the lie you shouldn't buy. Jesus would rebuke me. We have to turn that voice off. That chatter inside our head, that self-talk, is not from God. Jesus rebukes the sickness. He loves you to death, to pieces. Sickness, demons, waves, everything is in submission to Jesus. In fact, we've been given the same authority. Listen to this passage. This is totally awesome. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came to them and said, so He's coming to His disciples that have followed Him all of His life, and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This was his commission to his disciples after he resurrected from the grave. And he's saying, all authority is mine, so go. You have, I'm always with you. You have all authority, which means you and I could go minister to someone who's sick, and we could pray for that sickness to leave. And you know what's cool? Sometimes that happens right in front of you. Jesus is not orchestrating your suffering. He's rebuking it. And He loves and is here to help you. When you hear His rebuke, know that it's for that which needs to leave you. It's not at you. Jesus never condemns His mother for being sick or down, and, and, and you know, He never says, man, if only, you know, if only you wouldn't have done this. Get behind me, Satan. Oh, and by the way, be healed. He doesn't say that to her. So, we just need to grasp that. He rebukes the sickness. Number three, ministry, and we're going to camp here for a while, Ministry is the fruit of an opportunistic mindset. Ministry is the fruit of an opportunistic mindset. Jesus 
ministers when most call it a day if you read this passage closely. Did you realize after she begins to serve them, all of a sudden the sun is setting? Did you catch that when we were reading through the passages? So the sun is setting, and that's when people bring all those needing healing to Him. He didn't call it a day, Sunday, day of rest, plus amazing races on, I need to sleep. You know, I don't know. No, he, like when the sun is setting, that's when people show up. And He doesn't turn them away. Why call divine imperative? He says He must share the good news. He had a grasp of the mission at hand on His life. Jaden mentioned this last week. He shared about the interruptions in our life and how often Jesus is interrupted and great miracles happen in a moment of total interruption in His life. He's going on His way somewhere, interrupted, casts out a demon, keeps going, right? So, it's kind of a common scenario. I'm assuming He may be tired after ministering in the synagogue all day, going to Simon's house, freeing his mother-in-law of sickness, raising her up from her deathbed, basically. She begins to serve them. It's time for a nightcap. Let's go to sleep. And what happens? Yeah, uh, excuse me. Yeah, um, you know, we're not feeling well. Can you pray for us? And he took the time to put his hands on each individual person and heal them. We had a great dialogue in our group this last week about interruptions. And, and it, man, if you're not in groups, it's so fun to be able to go and level deeper with the dialogue about what's happening in the text and hear the people's stories about interruption moments and, and just really hearing the stories already of significant relationship ministry moments occurring in groups, and, but us dialoguing about the interruptions and, and, uh, and our view on them. If we view ministry as an interruption versus an opportunity, we'll avoid the choices that lead us to have such opportunities, right? If we're like, well, if I have to minister to somebody when I'm in there, means I'm going to be interrupted. Instead of, I should go into the Starbucks instead of going through the drive-thru because maybe God has an opportunity. It's a mindset shift, right? It's like, a mindset that we should have. And ministry is labor, but it's more the fruit. It's the beauty of an opportunity, if you would, when we capitalize on it, when we walk through the door of an opportunity in faith. And it's one thing to see someone who needs prayer and say you'll pray for them, but it's a total another to, to place your hand on somebody, as Jesus says He did over and over again here, and pray. And He was modeling it for His disciples. Just Put your hand on somebody and pray. Probably weird for both people if you've never done it before, right? Honestly, Aaron, when he plays drums, gets really warm and sweats. When I put my hand on him to pray, just moments ago, I think there's a water handprint on the back of his right shoulder. True? That's why I didn't put my hand on your head because I saw that sweat. I was going to avoid that. I'm thinking, T-shirt, shirt, I should be safe. I'm going for the shoulder. <laughs> you got to use wisdom when putting your hands on somebody to pray for them. But that's just what we see. Can I be real? Am I being too truthful? Okay, so here we go. Um, 
I, you just look at this. It's, it's these ministry moments. I don't know. I look at Philippians six, or Philemon 6, which says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. The activity of your faith, not just having faith, but it's the activity of your faith that gives you the full understanding of every good thing you have in Jesus. And I mentioned this to our, our group, but I wanted to bring it here, this whole interruption. We used to call the interruptions, or as I would call them, opportunities, uh, open life moments, when open life was just a thought. We gathered together in our house, and we were brainstorming, what could this church open life look like, you know? And we were brainstorming, writing things on whiteboards. Anyway, so we were sitting there brainstorming, trying to come up with what is God going to do in this church. And, and we realized, you know, we need to just be more available, more open. And so, you know, random things would happen. One of the open lifers was at Target and saw a neighbor realize she locked her keys or lost her keys. Her keys were either locked in her car or lost in the store. And so Dana was like, oh, well, here's an opportunity. And so she offered, hey, you don't probably know me, but I'm a neighbor of yours. I've seen you in the neighborhood in White River Estates. Do you need help? And was able to drive her to the neighborhood and, and bring her back. You know, So it was just kind of a really cool moment. There's story after story like that that first occurred. And you could call it an interruption, but really, those are the stories we end up telling. That's ministry. That's what Jesus came to do. That's what He did. And we have the opportunity to position ourselves for the opportunity. And so we would challenge each other, you know, not to go through drive throughs unless, you know, the kids are asleep in the car, you know, things like that, and just to be more present. It's, it's the idea of being present with our community was birthed out of, but some would call them interruptions, not me. They're open doors of opportunity that I want to be faithful to walk through. And those are some cool stories that come out of it. So here's a little, here's a little challenge uh, uh, that you can do by yourself right now with your piece of paper and pen. And then you can kind of do over the course of time. Our practices, what we call our practices, the things that we do or whatever to have a growing relationship with Jesus, we say it's connecting, it's serving, and it's sharing. And, and we see Jesus doing this over and over again in Scripture. Here you see Him connecting with people in a home. He, he serves the need, which was for her to be made well, and then He shares in the joy as, as, as they're having dinner, and, you know, and then it just always it happens cyclically. They're connecting, they're serving, they're sharing. They're connecting throughout Scripture. And if we do those three things, we'll have a growing relationship with Jesus. So, if you were to score yourself on those three things you would see where you need growth. I mean, if you just drew a triangle on your piece of paper and you go connecting, there's two possible scores to give here, right? How are you doing at connecting with God, scale of 1 to 10? Well, you know, personally, how are you doing? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Uh, probably, you know, 6. Okay. You know, how can you get to a 10? You know, so it's thinking through that. That's how you grow in your relationship with Jesus. As well, how are you doing at connecting with others? Well, I joined a group. I'm at a seven. You know, so you can kind of, you know, you can kind of just see that. I'll stick around and talk to people afterwards. I'll move that up to eight. You know, so however that works. And so connecting. Then there's serving. How are you doing at serving God? 
You know, so you kind of one to ten that, and then you go, well, how are you doing at serving others? It's interesting to look at this because, you know, Jesus was great at connecting, you know, both in the synagogue and the, the out in community, even at sundown. I mean, he laid his hands on people. That's a connection, right? And then serving, you got to look at serving. And, and I look at this and I go, he serves Simon's mother-in-law for sure. He's got a heart for service. He's inconvenienced all the time and he sees it as being opportunistic. I, I don't know. I, I read Luke 10, 27, and it says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. So I think if, you know, we're looking at how are you doing with God and others, because we're supposed to love God and love others. Pretty simple. It's what we're supposed to do. If we could get ourselves closer to a 10 in all these categories, it's pretty important. And I look specifically here, and I see two instances this week where I screwed up in the area of serving. I was, I was having conversations two times, and, and I glanced over my shoulder once at Starbucks, and I'm sitting in one of the comfy brown chairs at the 410 Plaza Starbucks office number one, I think for me. Anyway, so I'm sitting there, and uh, the uh, and some people get out of a car, and I see a gal with like a walker going really slow, probably post-surgery or whatever, a young gal. And I sat there continuing the conversation I was having with this person, and the person jumped up and got the door. I was like, oh, I'm preaching on that this Sunday too. That really sucked, right? And so I'm having another conversation. Somebody else sits down and starts a dialogue with me about how excited they were that we were using version and some different things. I'm helping them set up a reading plan on their phone, just a normal day at Starbucks. And uh, uh, version is a Bible app for those of you unfamiliar with it. And so we're, I was sitting there dialoguing with them. Same gal, stands up from her table to leave, but I'm just about to finish my story, and he pops up, the dude who doesn't read the Bible, who's listening to this podcast right now, right? He probably does read the Bible. I'm sorry. Anyway, so uh, moving, moving on. Uh, no, he jumps up and gets the door for her, and I'm still sitting, and I'm waiting for the rooster to crow the third time, right? I'm just like, that's not going to happen again. Anybody who looks like they have a need, I'm the first one on my feet. I was so mad at myself. But here's the reality. Small moments open huge opportunity in people's lives. And so, here's the cool thing. The share part, when you score yourself on how am I doing at sharing, you can share great moments and it motivates people, and you can share when you fail, like I just did, and it can inspire people too. You don't have to be like the evangelist who healed a thousand people to share what Jesus is doing through you or in you. You could share how you were convicted. Revelation 12, 11 says this, they overcame him, the enemy, the enemy, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They shared. Final thought, Jesus starts the day prepared. He gets to a solitary place. He makes sure he is in tune with the will of God before they tried to convince him to stay. And he's like, no, I must go. It says it this way in Mark, recording the same instance. Mark 1.35 says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up. I was kind of hoping he wasn't awake yet 
at that point in time, so I don't have to wake up that early to pray. But anyway, uh, you know, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. This is why I came. So, I mean, I, I look at this, and Jesus knew what he was supposed to do because he was in tune with God right at the beginning of the day. This doesn't say you have to wake up when it's dark and pray, but if you catch it, people were being healed all night long, right? And then he still got up to pray before it was sunlight. He's committed to the call, and he's committed to know what was next. And I see moms as being this committed. Honestly, I see moms as just serving their guts out day in, day out. They're wired different, and it's beautiful. And I thank you because you're up before the sun rises. Oftentimes, you're up later than the other person, the husband who's asleep already, snoring on a couch or in front of a TV or whatever, right? And I just look at that and I go, oh my goodness, moms should be honored and not listen, listen to that negative voice. And here's a great illustration. Watch this video because I think it just shows what our voice listens to and should not listen to. Check this out. Doesn't that video just say it? The reality that we're way hard on ourselves, right? They're not listing off all the negative. Well, if my mom was a little more punctual with dinner, I'd feel a little better about what she's cooking. No, he's like, she cooked me lots of food. That's pretty cool, you know. I just look at that and go, okay, we need right perspective. And here's right perspective. Jesus is way more pleased with you than you realize. He's way more for you than you realize. And we need to come to to grasp and start to view others the way Jesus would view them, and we need to start to first, though, view ourselves the way He views us. And He's just full of love and brag about us. Now, yeah, we make mistakes. He's quick to, to fix that because He loves you so much. That connection card I said I was going to draw your attention to, there's some options for response on the back. And maybe yours is the, the, the fourth one down on the left side. You know, my next step is to view myself as loved. Or maybe your bold next step would be if somebody says, yeah, could you pray for me about this? Instead of saying, sure, and keep and going, maybe just pause and say, I'd love to, and, and put your hand on their shoulder and pray. Maybe you need strength in the practice of connecting or serving or sharing, and you could jot that on that line and go, yeah. Or today, maybe somebody just needs to pray for their mom. I thought of that this morning when I was reviewing the talk and just felt that heavy. Maybe it's been a while since you've really gone to Jesus for your mom. Maybe she doesn't have a high fever, but she needs you to go to Jesus for her because she works her tail off 24-7 with no vacation time. Who would accept that job? 
So I want to do something totally different. One, I preached without my clock, and I already know that's got me in trouble. So, but I want anybody who's a mom today to stand. If you're here and you're a mom, stand. I'm going to do something really out there. (laughs) If you're here and you were one time almost a mom, you can stand too. Maybe you lost a child. Maybe, like my story, I came to church because my girlfriend had an abortion. That was my first time coming to church. I don't know what your story is, but feel free to stand as well. And this is what I want us to do while Jamie leads us in a song as a response to this talk today. I think it would be fitting for those of us around the moms in this room. And this might be like your weird meter is probably already tripping and just going crazy. So that's, that's cool. I'm okay with that. I'm comfortable with messing with your weird meter. Would, would the rest of us, even if it's uncomfortable, gather around these moms and literally even if you've never prayed for somebody before, put your hand on them, their shoulder preferably, somewhere appropriate, and, uh, and, and, and their back, their shoulder, whatever, put your hand on them, and we're going to pray for them for a couple minutes. So the rest of you now can, can stand, and we're going to pray for these moms in the room. Is that cool? God, I just thank you for the opportunity we have to open up your word. and You're so for us. I just hope that that resonates There was not one left untouched by your love in this passage. And you started with the mom in the room. And I just pray that, God, right now you would would minister to the moms here. Lord, I pray that you would touch every one of them and you would strengthen them and empower them. Give them the endurance they need to make it through the, the toughest nights, the toughest moments, the toughest days that they would release the unforgiveness maybe that has lasted a long, long time in their life, that they would, they would be able to just break free whatever that is for them, that they would break free. And I just pray that, God, this would be an eye-opening day as they exit here with their family or maybe to go meet with their family, that they would feel a little extra skip because of the presence of Jesus in and through their life. And that this week would be a powerful week for all of us as we open ourselves up to call out to you for our moms, to call out to you for others, and to watch you touch them as we reach out on your behalf to pray for people. God, we thank you for your word and the strength that you give us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Let's celebrate and worship together.